Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now we have on the line for us Ambassador John Bolton, who can give us the latest on Ukraine. What is happening? There was a recent article that came out in the Wall Street Journal that Roman Abramovich and a Ukrainian peace negotiator, they suffered some severe poisoning. Ambassador Bolton, what the heck is going on? Well, it's uh, it still looks uh, uh, very much like the Russians remain in disarray on the battlefield. They're they're getting close to taking the southern port city of Mariupol. That's that's true, but the, they're re, regrouping in the north, uh, uh, and it's it's hard to say what comes next. There are a lot of reports of new Russians coming in, especially the Wagner Group, which is this paramilitary force they've used elsewhere in the world. Uh, so it, it, the situation on the battlefield remains uncertain, and I, I think what that means is no prospect of a negotiated settlement anytime soon. Now, this uh, Roman Abramovich, one of the so-called oligarchs, got fantastically rich during the Yeltsin years in the 1990s, uh, found himself the subject of European Union and American sanctions a few weeks ago because of his coziness with the Kremlin. Uh, and he had volunteered to try and be a mediator between Ukrainian and Russian negotiators. And, you know, if we can um, credit these press stories, uh, he and, and the Ukrainian side basically got some kind of poison in a meal. Uh, and, you know, this is uh, the, the Russians have done this before with Alexei Navalny, uh, with the Skripals in uh, in Great Britain, uh, with, with any number of people who have suddenly had uh, real problems, including uh, President Yushchenko of uh, of Ukraine, when he was a candidate, was poisoned and disfigured from whatever the the poison was. Ultimately, became president, but uh, but severely hurt by this. So it it looks like the Russians continue to use whatever means they have at uh, at, at their hand, and and are still determined to keep plugging along despite the massive failures on the military side they had in the first month of the campaign. And when we're talking about this poisoning, people, their skin was peeling off their faces. Their eyes are burning. This is not food poisoning. This is life or death type of poisoning. So what does this tell you, Ambassador Bolton, that Putin has no, he, he, he's, he does sort of diplomacy and that he doesn't no, care. He, does, how- he doesn't want opposition. Uh, this is one of his oligarchs, one of them. Uh, wasn't it, uh, Ambassador? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And this, this, uh, if I can, this to make an important point about oligarchs. People have said, well, they're unhappy. Their 500-foot yachts have been seized because of Western sanctions and so on, and and they're a force against Putin. This, this is not true. In Putin's Russia today, unlike Yeltsin's Russia of the 1990s, the oligarchs, the oligarchs are not separate power centers. They are subordinate to the Russian state. They, they make enormous amounts of money. But their assets are really not theirs. They belong to the state, in effect, at their beck and call. So they, these people, they, maybe they don't like having Great Britain or the United States seize their 500-foot yacht. But if they turn against Putin, he will seize their 500-foot yacht. No, he'll, he'll just kill them. I mean, uh, I, I got a description. Well, that's another alternative. The, that's right. The only gods have as much power as the cardinals have to the pope. Um, that that's yeah. Well, that's a comparison. All right. I mean, it's it's they're subordinate. To, they're subordinate to Putin. Maybe subordinate. Maybe they're vassals to the czar would be a way to put it. But that, yeah. that's exactly right. They're, they're not independent power centers. Well, Rudy Washington, you had a question. You had a question, Rudy? Yeah. I, I Former was, Deputy Mayor Rudy Washington. Hello, Ambassador. Um, I'm more concerned uh, about the geopolitical picture. Um, what I see the president doing in terms of this Iranian deal. 
uh, is ushering in the next Middle East war. Uh, I had the opportunity to uh, speak with uh, President Bibi Netanyahu, and he convinced me, you know, that if, in fact, they get close to a nuclear bomb, in which they already are close, they're going to attack. And given what happened with the Abraham Accords and Saudi Arabia and and Israel developing some type of back backdoor relationship, um, that explains to me why they won't take uh, President Biden's phone call, the, the Saudis, uh, to try to help with his oil problem. But I'm more concerned that by signing an agreement with Iran, in fact, they're opening the door for the next Middle East war that will be really ugly. And, and bringing Russia to the table to broker the deal in China, I, I'm scratching my head. I mean, are, are we so married to the dogma of, of not using our energy that we're willing to uh, negotiate with despots like Venezuela and Iran? Well, I, I agree with you entirely. I mean, I think this pursuit of getting back into the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran is a huge mistake we've made. The 2015 deal was bad enough in and of itself. Uh, but we've made a year's worth of concessions to the Iranians, and and now the the uh, obviously making the deal even worse. Uh, and now the last hang-up is is their demand that uh, that we take the uh, uh, Revolutionary Guards off the list of foreign terrorist organizations where it was put during the Trump administration, which would be a huge retreat, uh, and and would free up. Uh, the Revolutionary Guards to engage in a lot of financial transactions that are not caught by other sanctions they're also under. So this whole thing has just become a question for the Iranians, how, how much more uh, they can squeeze out of the Biden administration. I, I think uh, when it when it's if, if they agree to it and it's finally made public, pe- people will be outraged at what they see. It's one reason why last week I wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post saying, look, if anything qualifies as a treaty under the Constitution, this is the kind of deal that the framers had in mind. It needs to be put to the Senate. It needs to meet the constitutional supermajority. Two-thirds of the senators have to approve it. And if it doesn't, there's no deal. There's no national consensus. On well, it. Well, I don't think Biden will do it, but I think we ought to raise the point. Without the executive branch, if the Republicans were able to take control of the Senate and the Congress— could, is there any way they can nullify this deal? No, but they can. The Senate in particular can use its other major constitutional power and not approve any of Biden's nominees, judicial or executive. The Senate has two key unique powers, the confirmation power and the treaty ratification power. If Biden won't respect the treaty ratification power, they ought to use the confirmation power to stop his nominees. Maybe that'll get his attention. And, and with the big uh, geopolitical picture, you know, we really fumbled the ball on this whole uh, Ukrainian situation because I thought if we handled it very firmly, it would have sent a message to China that they would now, not. I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I think I think you're right. Look, I think uh, we, we can be pleased that the NATO alliance is united. We can be pleased we've got sanctions in place, although not enough. We And, and we're helping the Ukrainian military, although not enough. But let, let's be clear among ourselves as a lesson for future potential conflicts, we failed uh, to deter Putin from invading at all. That was the real objective. Uh, Our sanctions, our threats of punishment weren't strong enough. Putin ignored them. We didn't have credibility. And then uh, last Thursday, Biden said 
that sanctions were never intended to deter Putin to begin with. I mean, I, I just was scratching my head at that. <laughs> we, 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 sure. we were all scratching our heads. Am- Ambassador Bolton, <laughs> what was your reaction to hearing what Biden said, that there needs to be a regime change, Putin's a butcher, he's a war criminal, he needs to be taken out. Then, then the his, White House, the other president, the White House, they walked uh, it back. It. And then he said just a short time ago, I didn't walk anything back. What are you guys talking about? What do you make of all of this, Ambassador? Well, look, it causes enormous confusion, obviously, here in the United States uh, and among our allies. And it's uh, it's going to delight the Russians because it makes it sound like it really is Biden's intention to overthrow Putin. Now, look, uh, there are two ways you can you can prevent the kind of conflict we're seeing in Ukraine now. Either you change Russian behavior or you change the regime. People don't like to talk about regime change. Uh, I understand that. But do you think Putin's really going to stop this behavior? He's going to change it elsewhere. If we had a serious policy about regime change in Russia, then I'd be prepared to talk about it. But it was just a flip off the cuff remark. And when you're president of the United States, those are very dangerous kinds of remarks to make. On a last note before we take a break, I said on Friday, uh, Ambassador, that uh, I don't care if Putin has $100 billion hidden away something. It didn't do Gaddafi any good. It didn't do Saddam Hussein any good. So I think he has to negotiate a peaceful thing with European community and with the United States for him to even exist in uh, in the next uh, couple of years. Well, I think uh, I think there will be a negotiation. Ultimately, I don't think Putin's ready at the moment. I think the Russian military has suffered such huge reputational damage that Putin has to find something that he can say and and pass the smile test was a military victory. And if he can do that, and I think that's still possible, then I think he'll start to negotiate seriously. But he's not there yet. Thank you, Ambassador Bolton. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon to get additional updates. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. God bless. Uh, Let's take the the break right now. We're going to come back with... We're going to come back with, uh, we're going to talk amongst ourselves, right? With, no, no, no. We oh, have, oh, uh, Benny, oh, Benny Bassio. Benny Bassio. He's a president of the Corrections Officers and Benevolent got, Association and Rikers Island. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.